God bless all of you for coming to church this morning. It is a privilege and it is an honor for us to be in the presence of the Lord. And I bless God for today. Today is indeed a good day. Today is a wonderful day. Today is a, a day of new beginnings. Every day is a day for new beginnings. So today is a day of new beginnings. Today is a milestone in somebody's life. Today will change something. Today will bring that deliverance that you need. I declare that today would bring forth all its blessings as the Lord has declared it to be. Father, may your name be praised. Father, may your name be glorified. Father, may your name be exalted. Father, in this place, have your way. I pray, O oh God, that sweet Holy Spirit Come and take absolute control. Teach us. Show us. Enlighten us. Open our minds and our hearts to understand, O God. I thank you, O God. I thank you. I give you praise. I give you glory. Father, use me. Use me. I submit to you. Spirit, soul, and body. I pray that may I be a vessel worthy of your use this morning. May your name be praised and glorified in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. I want to use this opportunity to just welcome all of you back to church. I believe that because of the strike and because of many things gone and come, gone and come, but I believe that we are settling in. And so I just want to welcome everybody back now that school is in full session and I just want to introduce what this ministry stands for briefly there are many churches on campus many ministries and um, usually people say why should i come to harvest why should i be in harvest no one is saying that harvest is you know some people put it best we are all doing God's work. Hallelujah. And so I want you to understand that we are not in competition with anybody. And we are not trying to pull people from different churches. That is not our aim. But in this place, we believe in that one individual. Hallelujah. The emphasis is that one person. 
that God can reach out and God can touch. If you have been here for a while, you realize that we have not changed. Some of you have gone and you have come. And when you came back, we have not changed what we are doing and what we are preaching. Some of you too, you are just joining us. First year. We will not change because we've been doing this and we've been doing it this way all this while. And those of you who have stayed, you have realized that we have only become more emphatic in what we believe. So if somebody asks you, why should I come? If you invite the person, you tell the person that, look, it is not about coming to make up numbers. It is not about coming to fill up the pews. I have let go of that thing. Some people still are fascinated by it, but I am not. I am concerned about the individual because that is what Jesus is interested in. said he left the 99 and he went after the one. So if you as a person, not that you are coming to join a church and be happy, not that you are joining the church, no, 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 but if you as a person, you want to work with God, you want to know God, you want a deep relationship with God, you want to have a personal relationship with God, then this is the place to be. We will not change because of you. And so there are many places out there that offer maybe what you want. No one is going to hold you back. But in this place, we believe in the individual growth of an individual. And so when you are finishing or you are leaving school, you should be able to say that I came in this way and God has made me that way. Not that, oh, we were in the church, the church was good, oh, and we did this and we did. It's not a matter of what we did, but it's a matter of what God did in you. Amen. And therefore, these are our, our, our core activities. These are the things we believe in. They are not things to be done just because they are activities. But they are things we believe are going to help us to grow. That is why we put them out there every Sunday. But these are the activities that not the church is involved in, but you must be involved in. This is not a church thing. This is a personal thing. Everything you see there is something that you as a person must strive and must endeavor to do. So when the announcement is made Sunday after Sunday, it is not to the church, but it's to, not to the church as a group, but to you as a church. And so we emphasize that as an individual, you must be able to study the word of God. If you do not know how to read the Bible for yourself, you don't know how to make notes, you don't know how to understand it, you don't know how to read the Bible and let the Bible come alive to you. The Bible is not a dull book that when you read it's like, there's nothing going. If you don't know, our aim is that God through us will teach you how to read your, not that you come to church and you come and hear Bible stories. If that is what you have been doing, that is not it. You have not gotten why we are in this church. We are promoting you as a person, learning how to study the word, not read, study the word. 
and we are emphasizing on you being able to pray, you as a person, as an individual, being able to pray, not coming for prayer meetings. You waking up and saying that I'm praying, even if it's five minutes, even if it's ten minutes, consistently talking to your father, learning what prayer is, learning how to fast. Okay? And on that note, this week we will take a fast. Amen. From Wednesday to Friday. So let's get ready. I'm telling you now. Learning how to fast. These are the three, the core. Okay? You must learn these things. These three. This church was founded on these things. The word prayer and fasting. Now the others that follow are things that are also needful. There are things you must learn to do. You must learn to read books. And I know how Christians don't read because it, reading is not, a, it's not an African thing. So it is even worse in the church. Reading the Bible is a problem. Then reading books written by other people, to know what other people think is even an even bigger problem. But the idea is that it's not about individual that we, this church we read, no. That you as a person, you can take a book, read, and understand what God is saying. Listen to what other people are saying about this God. God has been around for billions and billions of years. It is not you who has all the knowledge about God. Others also have thoughts on him. They want you to listen to spirit-filled messages. If you don't have any message, all the messages that are preached here, they are recorded. Listen to them. There are messages that you have not heard were preached before you came to school. There are messages that will be preached after you have left school. They are all recorded. You can have access to them. Listen to them. I see them being posted on the church page. I don't know how many of you even listen to them. You see it and then you give thumbs up. That is all. We put these materials there so that it's a blessing. Giving. You must learn how to give to God. Not give to me. I don't need your money. Learn how to give to God. To give to God. Your perception about giving, God must change it. It's not you don't give money to me to do anything. That money goes to God. And no one uses your money for anything apart from what is needed in the house of God. And then you must learn how to fellowship because you cannot be an island. God did not make us to be alone. He made us to fellowship with him and to fellowship with our fellow men. So these are individual targets. Look at them. Which one don't you know? Which one can't you do? Which one are you not consistent? And challenge yourself. Because if your aim is to grow with God, and your aim is to love God, and your aim is to, is to, is to, is to grow in God, then you must, you must be interested in. So that is why we are here as a church. Maybe you don't understand, but I'm telling you why. This is why we are here. And it doesn't matter what level you think you are at. 
everybody has more to learn of God. Because there's so much for us to do. So many people are crying out. So many people need God. So many people are confused. So many people are wasting their life. There are so many people who don't even know what to use their lives for. They are just going through the motions. I've come to invest. I'm going this, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Let God give you a purpose for your life. Are you here? And so I have said that next week we are taking a fast from Wednesday to Friday. It will be the topics will be put on the page. Now next week, Sunday, we are going to begin our SHS School of Hard Sentences and we will get a bus that will bring us because your money is there. We must use it. Our bus is not there. Even if it's there, we don't have a driver. Because if you put your hopes on this young man when he leaves, I don't know which of you can drive a sprinter. But you must learn. Amen? So next week we'll start. And then discipleship class, those in charge, let us start. We'll talk more about these classes. These are classes that help to build us up. So discipleship class is a beginner's class. It's a class that teaches us the basic concepts and fundamentals of God. And the School of Hard Sentences is a, is, a, is a service for those who want to go a bit deeper. So we are creating avenues for all sorts of people and for you to learn all sorts of things. And then in two weeks, we are going to have a leadership seminar. Hallelujah. Two weeks time, over the weekend, we have a leadership seminar because without leaders, we cannot move forward. And if you are not taught how to lead, you cannot lead. And if you do not know what to do as a leader, I cannot blame you for not doing your work. Amen. So it's for leaders and potential leaders. It's not only that you are not an executive, I can't come now. Because eventually people leave school and people take over. So you may not be a leader. But you are invited. Amen. And then we'll also be having our family day soon. Amen. We plan and have our family day. And so that we can get this all the activities moving and rolling. So God richly bless you. I just wanted to introduce this church to you, Harvest Chapel International, to let you understand that you are most welcome. But to let you also understand the emphasis. The emphasis of the church. And that emphasis will not change. But I can assure you that when you come back in two, three years, if the Lord tarries and I am still here, we will be doing this and doing it more and becoming more radical in these things that I know are the bedrock of our Christian existence. Amen. Last week we were talking about Pride. Let's turn our Bibles to John chapter 12 and the verse 24. And we've been there for a very long time and we'll stay there until the Holy Spirit tells us to move on. And it says that until most surely I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who, he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. 
and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Hallelujah. And I know that last week we talked about following God and what does not allow us to follow him. We talked about the fact we concluded on losing our lives and the fact that one of the main things that prevents a person from following after God, losing their lives for him, is pride. And I remember we went to James chapter 4, and I think the verse um, 12 and 13, and then we read concerning what we tell ourselves, that you, everybody has a plan for themselves. And they say, tomorrow I will go here, tomorrow I'll do this, and I'll do this, and I'll do this, and I'll make a profit. But the Bible says that you don't even know what tomorrow brings. But we feel that we are in control. We feel that we are in charge. And we actually want to be in control. And we do not want to let go of our lives and give it to God. And so we came to realize that the pride of life is not a matter of what a person has. It is just something which is in us as human beings. And everybody has it. Sometimes you think that, oh, it is... It is, it is um, 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 in some people. It is not in some people. It's in everybody. You know, sometimes poverty makes people look like they are humble. You understand? Poverty seems to, to, to cover over the pride that we have. And wealth seems to bring it out a bit more. But it doesn't really matter. Everybody has it. And it is a big, big uh, uh, hindrance to us following after God. And we read in James chapter 4 and verse 6, he says that, but he, who, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When you read about Jesus, he says he was even humble. Two weeks ago, mommy taught her, humble even to the point of death. Humble even to the point of death. So it means that for you to die, there must be humility. This thing about you dying, there must be humility. And if, but if there is pride, there will be no, there will be no death. You cannot follow after God. Today, I just want us to continue on that same line, and let's continue from James chapter four and verse seven downwards. Now. If you read the 6, it says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And 7 says, therefore, therefore, because God resists the proud. Somebody will say, but I'm not proud. You are proud. You are proud in many ways. 
you are proud in many things and the one thing that shows our pride is that we don't want to let go and let God now the Bible is saying therefore I don't want God to resist you in life if God is resisting you I can't help you if God is resisting you I can't pray for you if God is resisting you I can't deliver you I am but a servant of God I cannot fight my master I cannot pray for you against my master no person who calls names or um, calls himself a man of God mm, or a servant of God can deliver you. And there is no devil who would dare say that he can deliver you. They will tell you a lie that I can help you but they cannot help you. So because God is an automatic thing but I said, oh no, but it's not true. We see the proud. They are doing well all the time. Are... It is because you see, they, they let you see what they want you to see. There's no one who shows, who will walk around them showing their underwear. Unless now a few mad people, when they are wearing their trousers, they pull it down. I don't know why. But normal sane people don't show their underwear. You understand? Especially if there are holes in them. You understand? Yeah. Even if you wash it and there are holes in it, you don't hang it on the line. You hang it in the room. Or if it is baya baya baya, see there are some others baya baya baya. You know baya baya. You don't hang it on the line, isn't it? You hang it in the room. People are laughing. So no one who is having challenges broadcasts their challenges. I have not seen anybody who has put a picture of themselves on I, I, I'm not on any of those things, so maybe they are there. Like purposefully for no majority 80, 90, 99% of the pictures you see on Facebook, Instagram and I believe they are nice pictures. In fact, even when the photographer brings the pictures, you destroy the ones that you don't like. And you keep the ones that you like. So when your friends come, they don't see any of the bad pictures. Or So when I come and I look at the pictures you give me, it seems like as for you, your hair is always like this and nice. Eh? And your makeup is always on point. It's as if when you wake up, you have makeup. Because every picture we see is so nice, isn't it? It's like all oh, the shirts you wear are Polo and Ralph Lauren. You don't have any buyer buy shirts. Because no one puts or airs their what? Dirty linens outside. Is that not it? So don't be deceived. If God says he resists the proud, he resists them. They will not come and tell you that I'm suffering. In fact, 
they will go through a lot of difficulty and then they'll come and post a picture standing by somebody's Range Rover. Because even when you are going to take a, 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 a picture and there are cars parked there, you choose the one you want to stand by. You see my Popro Majaka, you will not go and stand against it. And even if you stand against it, now that you, that when you take the shot, you can make it, you can minimize it. Or you can make it blur, then you show yours, isn't it? Yeah. Or you can even Photoshop it out. But you, when you see a nice car, then you want to take pictures. I'm just trying to let you understand that don't be deceived by what you see in this world. Don't be deceived by the flashiness of this world. Don't be deceived. You will get in there and you realize that the resistance is great because God said it and I believe God. Do you understand me? And when you meet your friends, they never tell you about the bad days. They only tell you about, oh, and I did this. Recently, we were in Dubai. And then we went there. Have you asked them what happened between Dubai and... No. So the Bible says, God resists the proud. And I know people personally whose lives are going in circles because of their pride. And then he says, therefore, because of that statement, therefore, submit to God. Submit. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, like humility, because submission leads to humility. See, humility is the general thing, is the big picture. But in humility are many things. There's submission. And there's what? There's submission. And there's obedience. And there is disregarding your own will. And there is taking another person's will. All those things are from part of humility. It's not that you don't have your will or you do. But you disregard yours. You discard yours and you take another person's. In humility, it's obedience. It's blind trust. In humility, it's submission. Starts with submission. And therefore, the Bible is saying that because of what you have read, submit. Huh? Submit to God, not to a church, not to a pastor, not to any doctrine, but what? Submit to God. And like I said, many of us, we think that, oh, we are very submissive. No, we are not submissive. It's opportunity you don't have. I've said this before. It's opportunity you don't have. You see, some of you, your submission in the house 
is because of the consequences of not submitting. It is, you see, submission can be voluntary or it can be forced. You understand? And many of us, when we think of submission, we think of forced submission because that is what our parents do to us. They subdue us. After all, God says subdue the earth, isn't it? We are all in the earth. When your children is you subdue them and show them who is boss, isn't it? So you are subdued early. So when you hear the word submission, you think of false submission. Automatically, you may not. I'm telling you. That is why we don't like the word submission. Because it's like somebody is on you and he's forcing you to do what you don't want to do. So many of us, we say we are submissive, but it is false submission. When the thing that is causing the fear, eh, which is driving our submission, is gone, you will see that you are not submitting at all. In your heart, you have not been said, I am sitting down, but I'm standing up in my heart. Yeah. If you could see my heart, you could say I'm standing in my heart. Even though you say I should sit and I'm sitting. You know, so submission is, is, is what God is talking about here. It's not forced submission, but there's something called being sub, being what? Submitting willingly. Voluntary submission. I understand me. Voluntary submission. So you 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 volunteer and you submit. It's not that you are not you are not it's not me coming to put a gun no. You go and say I want to submit. We are not used to that. You see that is Jesus' submission. He says, who being in the very essence God did not consider it robbery to be made equal to God, but it's a voluntary one. And that is the problem that we have. That is why many of us, we don't get beyond the point A. Because you are being in church, you are forced to come here. You feel somebody is forcing you to be here. So all of you are just waiting, let them finish, let them finish, let them finish, let them finish. Then you wait for the next Sunday. If you can get an excuse, you will give it so you won't come. So it's not voluntary submission. But that is what God is saying. Jesus is was not forced. He said, I'll go me. If you do not get to that point, look, you will be doing, some of you have been here two years, three years, you will just go around in circles. You just go around in circles. Some of you, you were in this church for two years, three years, before you finally started doing what you needed to do. Before you, because if it's, they, then they are pulling, you see, sometimes they will pull you, will pull you, but eventually the pulling will not keep you. You must decide.
So some of you go around in circle, all the things I've said. You do it now until one day you realize that I want to do it. And you submit to God. And then you see what will happen thereafter. Submit to God. Now submission to God. And you see almost everything in Christ. Hmm? Almost every activity or anything that God wants from us. It is first of all an event and then secondly it is a process. An event means that there is something that happens at a goal. Like what we are having here is an event. When we finish it's over. You understand? So church can be an event. But church is also a process. Because when we leave this place, church continues. It continues in our heart. It continues in our Jesus says that we are the church. Are you understanding me? No, it's Paul who said, you are the church. Your body is the temple of God. We make up the church. And so, submission is not a one-time though I came, I submitted, and I've, that is it. No. We become more submissive. It's a process. That is why when you work with God and every day, every week, every month, every year, God, you are not learning. God is not. Sometimes you read the Bible and you say, yesterday I asked myself a question. So I, I said, I was reading a portion of the scripture and it was ministering to and I realized that it was so difficult for me to do. But I realized that it was a basic fundamental thing. These were basics that Jesus taught. So I asked myself, so what have you been doing all these 20-something years? That's a question I asked myself yesterday. Because it's a process. It is an event. But it is a process. Young man, young lady, it doesn't end here. It doesn't end with this sermon. It doesn't end with you lifting up a hand. It doesn't end with you. It doesn't end with you just saying something. It's a process. It's your life. It continues. And you get better and deeper and you move on. It's a process. Our salvation is an event. It's also a process. Our dying is an event and it's also a process. Says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing, the renewing. It is continuous. If you are a Christian and your mind is not changing on certain viewpoints, the same way you thought is the same way you think after two years, three years, there's a problem. Because God says, when you come to me, one of the things that must happen is that your mind must be renewed. So you can even ask yourself, test yourself. It's my thinking changing. You see pastors the same way you saw them 10 years ago. You see the Bible the same way you saw it 10 years ago. When you hear people preaching, your attitude towards it is the same. When you see books lying there written by great men of God, your attitude towards the book is the same. 
When they say, listen to a message, your attitude towards us is the same. When they say, come for rehearsal, your attitude towards rehearsal is the same. When they say, give, your attitude towards giving is the same. Nothing has changed. Nothing has been added. The Holy Spirit has not added anything. You have not received anything. There is a problem. Because it's a process. You do the same things you do. You come to church, you sleep. You come to church, then you start daydreaming. You come to church, then you tune your mind to other things. You come to church and you are thinking about football. You come to church and you are just you just want to take your phone and WhatsApp. You come to church, you are preaching, you are listening, you are, you are, you are scrolling through the news. You have been in church for two years, three years. Your attitude towards sermons have not changed. Such that you see a sermon as a blessing of God, but you see it as a tiresome, cumbersome, laborious thing that you must endure. After three years in God's house, your attitudes towards preachings and sermons have not changed. There's a problem. You cannot sit down and listen to the word of God. There must be gymnastics and people flying and people jumping through the window and receive it and oil it before you are alike and wait. Eyes wide open, seeing who will manifest. But you cannot listen. Then in Jesus, you won't even go and listen to Jesus. Because Jesus will sit down for hours and teach on the Beatitudes. And you will not like his messages. Because when he comes, you say that what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. And blessed are they that mourn. You will not go and listen to Jesus. He will tell you that when somebody slaps you, turn your cheek. You now, you don't want to go and, you go and hear this message to you. Leave. You see, don't think you are all the people, they kill Jesus. If you were there, you would be part of the people. Because his messages will be boring to you. Very boring to you. A man who says that if somebody is coming to take your, 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 your shirt, give him the trousers too. On board them. Jesus will be boring to you. No progress. Submission. It's a process. Therefore, submit to God. Not by force, but willingly. You see, and he says that, you see, sometimes when you read the Bible, it's like, that thing they say one thing and suddenly they disjoint it. It's not disjointed. He says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What has submission got to do with resisting the devil? It has everything to do with it. Because when you are proud, God will resist you. But when you are humble, God will give you the grace to resist the devil. Submitting to God. 
is the same as resisting the devil. Because you don't have the strength to fight an enemy you cannot see. You do not have the strength to fight a devil who has been around longer than you. You do not have the strength to fight a devil who can enter your mind when you don't want him to enter. You do not have the strength to fight a devil who knows your every desire and your passions and will use it against you. You, don't have, you cannot fight a devil who has an upper hand over you. How can you fight a spirit that comes and puts thoughts in your mind? What strength do you have? What strength do you have to overcome him? What strength do you have? You go and take a cutlass and you go and take broom. You are sweeping the devil away. I catch you a joker. You are a joker. You go and take a gun. You are killing the devil. You are a joker. You've not read your Bible. You've not read your Bible. A devil who could take Jesus at an instant and pick him up and say that I'm showing you all the world. You can fight that devil with gun. Huh? Who can be here talking to Jesus in the wilderness? And says, suddenly he took him and then he took him up onto the mountain top. Did he go by plane or jet? That's the devil they have told you you fight with gun and cutlass. Submit to God. Resist the devil. You see, when you submit to God, automatically God comes on your side. And grace is released. Because once you are submitting to God, it means you are doing what God likes. And so automatically you are not doing what the devil likes. Because you cannot be doing what God likes and it is also what the devil likes. Are you understanding me? When you submit to God automatically, automatically, huh? you are doing what the devil hates. Because if you know that me, I hate you. Uh, what do you call it? Let's say that you there's I don't like a certain type of music, and you know I said don't play it. And then there's another person too in the room who says that I like this music. Automatically, when you submit and you don't play that music, but you play the music that I like automatically you are against the other person. Or, huh? Yeah. The person said, ah, so all along. Huh? You don't need to say anything. No. Just by submitting to this one, the other person will say, hey, you are on his side. You can't explain it. Submitting to God brings protection. 
See, that is one thing you people you don't understand. One of the greatest ways for you to be protected is to submit to God. Is to be humble. You see, when Jesus was born as a baby, he was very vulnerable. And you say that Jesus could have easily been killed because Herod tried to do it. But if you read through the Bible, one of the ways God protected Jesus was to make him come from a humble and a lowly place. No one will look for a king in a manger. Even the wise men got it wrong. Even the wise men. Even the wise men. Men who could discern the birth of somebody by looking at stars. Even they got it wrong. Because they could not understand. They, it, 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 it was un, un, unfathomable, unthinkable. That a king will be born to people as poor as Joseph and Mary. Think about it. That was the cocoon that God enveloped Jesus in. Lowliness as a protection. You are too proud. God is resisting you. And therefore you are open to everything that the devil has to offer. Are you here? Oh, you will not listen to me again. So submitting takes you towards humility. Submitting helps you to overcome the devil. The thing, the thing that you cannot fight, that thing that you say that I've tried and tried and tried, Let me tell you this morning, submit to God. Submit to God. Submit to God. Say, I've tried. Are you sure you have tried submitting to God? Was it forced submission or voluntary submission? Did you really submit to me? And have you continued to submit to him? Because it's not an event. It's a process. Now when we continue, he says that resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will not flee from you because you are so strong. He will flee from you because there is grace from God. He says he gives grace to the humble. God will be on your side. So I'm resisting the devil. I will not think about it. I'm not. It's a lie. I've never seen anybody resisting the devil. I will not think about this thing. Oh boy. 
when you finish that, eh, no, then the picture will come again. Huh? Oh, they say, resist the devil. I'm going to resist the devil. I want it. I want it. Huh? We do it all the time. With our strength. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want, I want to eat the food. I want, I want to fast. I want to eat the whole boy. The day you resist, 30 minutes is like 4 hours. When we come and look at the hey, it's eleven thirty. The last time I looked at that it was eleven o'clock. We could cheer your new maybe bread to while away by thirty minutes. Resisting God is submitting, resisting the devil is submitting to God. Because you cannot resist the powers that are in the air. With what your mind? No. God gives you the grace. Say, I'll pray against them. How long can you pray? When I'm Pabon, I won't Pabon. Oh, sorry. It's even grace to pray. Grace to pray. Huh? You can pray, you are sweating. Then the thing comes back. Hey! Hmm. He says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. When you submit to God, you draw near to Him and He draws near to you. Now, when you read this, it doesn't mean that, you see, sometimes we feel that God is far away. God is not far away, God is here. He's here with you and He's here with me. When we talk about the nearness of God, it is not talking about distance. It's not talking about proximity. It is talking about intimacy. It is talking about receptiveness. It's not distance. So I with the name can It's like I'm a tarinichi. Now the name board bank account. No. Because you see, it's, 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 it's an English term, it's a phrase, draw near. You can be with somebody physically in the room, your roommate, and after one year, you will not be any nearer your roommate. But you can be with the same person in the same room. Proximity will not change, but you will say that after a year, I am closer it has nothing to do with the fact that maybe now you are sleeping on the same bed. No. That's not the closeness. So drawing near to God and God drawing near to you, it's not, it's not a physical thing like, I mean, we tree, 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 tree. And you, no. 
It is our receptiveness to him. It is that a deeper, intimate work with him. So you say, I am closer to him because you get to know him more. You get to know his mind. You get to know who he is. You get to know what he thinks. You get to know what... It is not about distance. It's not about distance. If we say that you are going to be close to God, are you close to God? Your, 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 the way you know God, has it changed? That is how you know God. It's like, I feel God around me. Spirit of God is unknown. No. Your mind, your, your, look, your, your mind can tell you all sorts of things. Your emotions and your feelings can tell you all sorts of things. That God is, God is, is nowhere near. Maybe you're not even giving your life. I even feel sorry for the people who are made to believe that God is with them when they've not even given their lives to Christ. You cannot sell a lie. No. How can God be near? You've not even submitted to him. You've not invited him in. But once you invite him in, it's not a matter of distance anymore. Says, I stand at the door and knock. Once you open and he comes in, he's in. It's about how well you get to know him. How you are receptive to him. Because you can be there in the same room with somebody and know nothing about the person. Yeah, because many of when you come to first day, your roommates they are chosen for you. By the time you get to first semester, you are looking for new roommates. Because you want to be in the room with that person. You don't want to be in the room with another person. Because you don't like the person. But you are in the same room. And you can be closer to somebody who is not even in the same room with you. It's not a matter of distance. I hear. Says, draw near to God. Do, do you really want to draw near to God? That is what I started with this morning. As an individual, as a person. If you are not interested in God as a person, then this place is not for you. Every day you feel like they are forcing you to come. I'm telling you. Do you want to draw near to God? That's the question. Says, draw near to God. He will by all means draw near to you. I trust God even more than I trust you. Because sometimes when you say you are drawing near to God, you are not. But there's no way God is saying I'll draw near to you when he's not drawing near to you. I don't believe God. I mean, we say a lot of things. Oh, this, this, doing this, oh, this semester. Oh, daddy, you don't know. Yeah. The way I've come. This semester, daddy. 
I've had those conversations a thousand times and over. Oh, last semester I realized I wasn't, but as for this semester, I've made up the, the way I would. Doesn't do anything. But when God says he's going to draw near to you, I believe him. I believe him. God will not lie. God does not lie. The question is, do you want to draw near to him? Because without that, you cannot stand. You cannot die. You cannot follow. You cannot grow. Nothing will change. Nothing will happen. You will continue to be a church comer. You will come and go and come and go and come. This morning, we want to spend a little time praying to God. Our time is up, but I left a time that so we can pray. I believe that we need to get this right as individuals. As individuals. As a person. As a person. Not as part of this church. Not as part of this group. It doesn't work. And I remember saying at one prayer meeting that you see, what you need is God, not what you think you need. Some of you, you think you are, you are, you are, you are realists more than some of us. Like you, you live in the real world, and and you are you know how the economy is, and you know how things are, and and we we we, we live a fantasy. We come and tell you fantastic stories, but it is our job, because we want money from you. You can I preach your money. I don't preach your money. Hardly do I preach your money. I don't need your money. You think you are more in tune, like what is happening in the world. You don't know my problem. You don't know where I'm coming from. You don't know. We are talking about serious things. At this age, you are, you are talking about serious things. How old are you? What have you seen? What, what have you seen? Huh? What have you survived? What have you been through? What pain have you encountered? Who are you taking care of? Who depends on you? But you feel you are more realistic. We are living in a fantasy. We 
we are living in a fantasy. No. The thing that is a fantasy to you is the reality. You are living in a fantasy. The Bible says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. When I follow the Lord, I will live my life as God intended it because the world is His. What you see and you are calling a fantasy, it is how we are actually supposed to live. Because this is the earth. With the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So what you call a fantasy is life. What you call reality is it's an illusion which will pass away. Take it from me. And so there's no way you will submit to God. Huh? And in 20 years, 30 years, you will not be as loud, hmm, as vociferous, as emphatic as I am. Because I'm emphatic about the things I believe in God. I wasn't always like this. But working with God, seeing Him and knowing Him, huh? you cannot change my mind. What I have seen, Paul said, John said, the things we have seen, huh? the things we have heard, those are the things we talk about. You, what are you talking about? You are talking about stories they told you in church. I'm telling you about a life I have lived. You are telling you about what your pastor said. What have you lived? What have you experienced? You want to be on your feet. And you just want to pray. You just want to talk to God this morning. You have about five minutes. You want to say, God, help me. Let's sing the song that you sang. Quiet. Who lead? Some of you will sing. Uh, the, the second one. You just want to sing it. You want to pray. We are not here to sing a song. We are here to pray. I don't know what you heard. Submit to God. I don't know how it's attached your heart. I don't know how it's attached your heart. But you want to pray. If you have been listening to what I've been saying for the past 50 minutes, you have something to pray about. Don't ask me what are we praying about. What did you hear? What did God tell you? What are you praying about? What did you understand by what God was saying? Draw me close to you. Never let me go. You want to pray? Never let me go. You want to pray? Oh, this God is a good God. You want to pray? Says, draw near to Him. Unless you don't want to draw near to Him. Do you really want to draw near to him? To Do you really want to draw near to him? This is a good place to draw near to God. You 
I want to submit to you, Lord. I want to follow after you. I want to die more to you. Matere kanda babu ya baba baba, rato kuriya banda rekete nere baba. Oh, are you praying somebody? Are you praying somebody? Let heaven hear your voice. Let heaven hear your voice. That voice that comes from deep within you, that voice that comes from deep within your heart. Talk to God. 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 Mama, <laughs> <laughs> 